before we get to the interview today, I wanted to take a second and talk to you all about beverage coolers. Uh, if you're anything like me, you've probably accumulated a lot of cans in the kitchen refrigerator by now, and they're probably starting to get in the way of actual groceries and like food. Uh, so if you haven't already, consider buying a beverage cooler, specifically from New Air Appliances. Uh, depending on your needs, you can find the cooler that fits 90 cans, 126 cans. Um, maybe you want a, a dual zone 18 bottle, 58 can cooler. Uh, they obviously come in all sorts of different uh, sizes and, and finishes and whatever you need. I personally have the Beers of the World 126 can model cooler. And, you know, it's kind of cool because it's, it's, it's a unique design with custom painted like graphic lettering that, that names all the the, the beer varieties from all over the world and and it, like nobody has a fridge like that right uh, it's it's completely unique um, it's screen printed directly onto the frame using high quality scratch resistant paint and it comes from uh, new airs uh, patent pending split shelf which provides more flexibility in, in storing different size cans and bottles growlers crawlers uh, whatever you might need in there uh, what's really nice though is that they also offer a compressor uh, which is like a top of the line like it's less noisy, can hardly hear it at all, and it also ensures a consistent temperature, of course. And speaking of temperatures, it chills down all the way down to 34 degrees, making it one of the coldest coolers in its category. Uh, but you know what? Maybe this isn't uh, for you right now, but your brewery tap room could maybe use one for extra can storage. So, you know, whether you own a brewery or just like visiting them, check out www.newair.com. Hey, beer nerds, got a different kind of episode today for you. Um, my day job is in PR and social media marketing for an agency called Go Social. And through Go Social, uh, we started a podcast called Eat Drink Social. And it's a podcast all about social media marketing in the food and beverage industry. Um, and through that job, we had an opportunity to visit with David Kors, a Colorado native uh, in Golden, Colorado, uh, to do one of our own ep uh, podcast episodes. So while we hear the entire interview with David Kors in this episode of Building Breweries, there's a little bit more conversation to be heard elsewhere if you're interested. So if you're interested in hearing about social media marketing in the beer world, I encourage you to listen to that particular episode, Colorado Native of Eat, Drink, Social, uh, where my manager, Courtney, uh, who you'll hear in this upcoming interview, uh, where Courtney and I uh, chat a little bit more about trends and best practices in the beverage industry. So otherwise, you know, thanks for listening. Let's get to the interview. All right. Happy to be joined now by David Kors of AC Brewing here in Golden, Colorado. David, thanks for taking the time to, to talk to, to us a little bit about uh, what you all do today. Absolutely. Thanks for coming in. Uh, so AC Golden's kind of in a unique spot because you all are, it's the wrong word, but like a subsidiary of Miller Coors in, in a way. You're uh, the, the, the craft arm, the craft extension. I, I have a better understanding of, of what AC Golden Brewing is now, but could you just kind of sum it up for us? Yeah, I, I like to describe it as kind of the skunk works of the big brewery. I mean, here we are in, in uh, the Coors Brewery in Golden, Colorado, and uh, we can take you on a little tour afterwards if you guys want for, um, to see our setup, but we've got a 30-barrel system. It's in the, the belly of the big beast, as we call it. And um, we get to break the rules, have some fun, uh, kind of be the skunk works and develop new, new interesting things and see what sticks and what doesn't. The most famous brand under your all's name is Colorado Native. And the unique thing about that is that it's 100% pure Colorado ingredients, uh, production. Uh, you know, does that include like bottles and cans as well? Correct, yes. Everything's made here in the Golden Valley uh, from a packaging material Awesome. That that first started in 2010 there. 
Exactly, 2010. With the lager, I guess, and then you moved on to other expressions and, and like IPAs, stouts, and whatnot from then on, right? Yeah, the Amber Lager was our first beer that we launched with, um, and it was actually just called Caro Native Lager at the time uh, because we didn't have plans to expand the line, and it was uh, just a beer that... that uh, uh, our brewers loved, we loved, and we thought this has got legs. So um, we called that just Carl Native Lager, won some uh, GABF medals with it, and uh, the traction in the market was great. So our second extension off of that line was Golden Lager. And since we've launched uh, the Pilsner and also our IPA that we just launched back in uh, November, um, and it's been taken off as well. So, yes, yeah, so quite a we're expanding that range, and then we've got seasonals as well, one a quarter that we launch uh, in marketplace and also some barrel aged sours just real quick. So that, that, that story began in 2010, but I guess the AC golden brewing story really began a few years earlier in 2007. Uh, what was that process? Like, can you walk us through that and just kind of explain like, cause we're, we're in the, the, the cores factor here in golden, like that's where y'all are located. And, uh, I'm just cu- curious about how that kind of got set up. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, my dad's Pete Coors and he, um, had the idea of creating uh, an incubator model within the big brewery. And basically, uh, we had seen some brands that we had launched uh, be successful and some that weren't successful. And as you can imagine, as a fifth-generation family business, we were okay with the slower approach. And how do we create an environment for slow growth and strategic um, growth? So he launched uh, AC Golden Brewing Company with a gentleman called Glenn Nippenberg, um, who, or who we call Nip. And, uh, and he and Nip, he's pretty much said, okay, here's the, the pilot brewery, the 30 barrel system you can work on and let's see what you can create. And, uh, it's evolved into what it is today. I, I think I found it really interesting that that was originally like an R and D setup too within, within cores. And they kind of just reconverted that to a completely different like process for you all. just to use and have fun on. Absolutely. That's the system that Coors Light was created on. Um, my uncle Jeff uh, designed and built um, and managed the Pilot Brewery for, for years when it was first built in the early 70s. And at the time, we were only making Coors Banquet. We were a single brand business um, and probably only in about, I don't know, maybe 15 states at the time. And uh, so that's the light beer category was taken off. And that's the system it was designed to... I, I, it'd be identical to the big brewery, um, but on a smaller scale. And, and yeah, there's been a lot of great beers that have come out of that little brewery. I, I reached out to uh, uh, some some beer nerds and industry people that know you all a little bit better, better than I do, being from Kentucky. Uh, but what, I, what I've noticed is that there's a, a, an utmost kind of respect uh, about what you all do. On one side, you, you have a, a great lineage of brewers that, you know, work for you all and then go on to go do their own thing maybe too and become, you know, their own head brewer at a, at a place that they start. Uh, but there's always like this thankfulness aspect to that that I've noticed. And that's, that's, that's great that you all kind of grow craft beer in that regard. I think, I think it might be fair to say that some of the rise of craft beer in Colorado, while it's been going on for a long time, certainly just in the last 10 years, you all probably had a big impact on yeah, I, I think it's um, well, a couple of things to say about that. One is that uh, our, the brewing network is is a brotherhood and brother and sisterhood, right? It's it's a pretty tight group, um, and yeah, we're we're a big brewery with great uh, experience and knowledge base, and and we do we we train a lot of people that end up leaving and going and doing their own thing, and also when other people have started up breweries, our brewers have helped them out. We've we've supplied um, countless number of craft breweries materials equipment. Um, and I think, uh, the craft industry, it tends to be this 
big versus small, you're good, you're bad kind of uh, pointing finger thing, which I think is unhealthy for the entire beer category. And I really, if you go to um, uh, like the Craft Brewers Festival, or not the festival, but um, the conference, the Craft Brewers Conference, where the brewers are getting together, it's, these guys are all friends. It somehow, and when it shifts to sales and marketing, it tends to be a little bit more on the competitive side, uh, which I wish was a little bit less edgy, in my opinion. But, but yeah, I think we're, we're quite a uh, family from a beer industry perspective. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're sourcing ingredients sometimes, too, for these people, and that's, that's pretty admirable. Um, so let, let's talk a little bit about that kind of freedom that you have on a 30-barrel system. Um, and, and what you can do to be entrepreneurial and, and kind of experiment with just last-minute recipes, basically. Like, does somebody get inspiration and they're just like, okay, go, go do it. Go have fun with it. Yeah, so our, our head brewer, um, Jeff Nichols, likes to say we have 40 years of uh, recipes to draw from. So whenever we start kicking around, well, maybe we should brew this or that, he goes, well, there's probably something in the logbook somewhere. And then even beyond that, if you think of the Coors archives where we have the recipe from Adolf for batch 19, uh, which is Adolf's handwritten brewing log script um, that they pull the recipe out of. We, we've got plenty of recipes, but at the same time, so we can either draw back on some of those or it's saying, okay, we're seeing this little trend happen or, or you know, this really would be interesting for us to brew. And the guys will brew up a batch, and we'll give it a shot, and we'll put it at the employee bar, and we'll see what the reception is. Awesome. And uh, to, to that point, you know, many breweries around the country are starting to turn to other uh, products on the shelves besides just beer, uh, maybe FMBs, maybe they're distilling, hard seltzers. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? And is that a direction that at any time you all might try to consider going as well? Yeah, I, from an AC Golden perspective, is yeah, what you want to speak to. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. It's uh, I, I think back to when I was um, in college, and I remember coming back from college, and I was 21, and I said, "Dad, we should get, you know, we should start making some whiskey." And he said, "We're good at one thing, and that's making beer." <laughs> So, so we've kind of stuck to that. Well, yeah, I mean, you can make the beer first, and then maybe try to <laughs> exactly. distill it. <laughs> uh, so we've kind of stuck to that, I guess, over the years. But um, yeah, the the industry is shifting. I think beer is is the growth is not uh, there like it used to be. So I think you're seeing breweries start to diversify quite a bit. Um, we're looking at, at a lot of those categories that are popping up and, and what's the right move and, and really what is something that we can do that benefits the bigger business um, to test and learn potentially or what do we think we have capability or skill set or an idea that we think would resonate with consumers. We kind of play around with both of those. So, um, yeah, we don't have any immediate plans, uh, but we are keeping an eye or pulse on things. Interesting. I'm actually going to talk now. So, um, so from a marketing perspective, you know, when we were doing some research, we were hunting around on AC Golden. And what's what's kind of your strategy there? Do you kind of keep it under the radar, or do you? I mean, we noticed there wasn't like a ton of social. And, and so, so how do you market AC Golden, or is that not a goal? Or yeah, no, it's it's really. Um driven by budget. So we, we don't have the biggest budget here. People think, oh, you're associated with uh, the bigger business and that should offer um, a lot of resources where it, it does allow us access to the big brewery and everything like that. But from a marketing dollar budget perspective, uh, not exactly. So we've always had a focus on kind of the grassroots approach, right? Is uh, trying to get people to try the beer and talk about it and have a really good story proposition and product that people will share that word. So, um, I guess grassroots or, or um, 
uh, shared marketing initiatives, but everything we've, we've done some social media. We haven't had a ton of focus on it. I think we need to improve in that area. Um, and so we, we've trying to figure out these days, if you think about it, how you break through all the clutter that we all see every day on every platform. I mean, if, if you were to put $50,000 behind a, a, a media buy, that's a drop in the bucket because there's probably tens of millions of dollars of total media just in the state alone per day. So how do you take that drop of the bucket and, and uh, make an influence? Yeah. I don't we're, we're trying to figure out all out. the answers for you. Yeah, exactly, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, so when you develop a product, um, are you responsible for marketing it or do you hand it over to, no, it's all, all done here in house. Um, our marketing manager, Megan Nelson, who's here with us. Uh, she definitely, um, has been instrumental. I brought her on in August. Um, and she's had a huge impact. Yeah. So we do it all here. Okay. That's interesting. And so, you know, we work with both craft distillers and some of the big guys. And I know like we had an, a conversation about using an emoji on a tweet the other day and the legal shut it down because they said it's too much youth appeal. And then some of our craft distillers are sending us like pictures of their babies holding moonshine jars. I'm like, no, you know, it's like, from a responsibility standpoint, that'd be horrible. Where do you guys lay and like, you know, I'm, I'm assuming Coors Corporate's pretty strict and they do things a certain way. How, how do you guys market I know you said grassroots, but is is there a different, or do you still have to? Um, we we definitely are we we mind uh, mind ourselves in that realm as far as we don't want to get the bigger business in in any um, predicament, but we also need to to I don't want to say push the limits, but do with everything within reason. Um, but I also think in 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 reality, whether it's a small brewer or distiller or a big one. Uh, we all need to be respectful and socially responsible around how we're communicating and and sure in smaller circles with friends we may think something you know is is acceptable but uh, there are ramifications to that that um, and, and why we have a lot of those um, restrictions put in place is because it's it's for the right reasons but uh, when you're smaller you can be a little bit more nimble take a little bit more risks um, and that's something that we battle with a little bit but we try to push the limits, uh, but do it in appropriate manner. Do you guys do any work with influencers, like sending product to get posts on other people's we, channels? We have done a little bit of that in the past. Um, we would love, I'd love for us to do some more. Um, I think the the natural influencers are, are really more um, impactful versus more the paid approach. Um, so we love it when people are just advocates and fans of the brand itself. Um, but we are starting to dabble in that space more and more. Okay, that's interesting. Um, and so do you ever use like social to crowdsource ideas for new beers or does it always come within? We, we haven't in the past. Um, we've kicked it around, we, you know, through the big brewery that we sit in today, we put, um, you know, 250, more than 250,000 people through here a year. And we've kicked around, do we have a chalkboard and let people write recommendations? Um, so we've been kicking around ideas of how we can start to crowdsource uh, ideas. It's, it's also challenging, right? Because if you get a lot of people that put their effort and time into a, a something and it doesn't come to fruition, you know, it, you, you can have some people that are frustrated with you, but uh, it's, it's definitely an, an approach we've kicked around. So if you can say, what, what do you think is the best idea or, the, or concept that's come out of AC Golden and what's been like the craziest, even if it never really came to fruition? Have you tested anything like just out there? Uh, the best idea hasn't come out yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Megan and I only have only been working on this for <laughs> six to 12 months, but no, um, 
Uh, gosh, that's a good question. I think our, uh, I mean, just in the proofs in the pudding are launching our IPA, uh, which we call West Slope IPA. All of our hops are grown on the Western Slope, um, which we help start uh, the hop industry out there. Uh, it has been a great success for us, and I think it's uh, it's a, one a delicious beer. Seven different hops, all grown here in Colorado. Um, so, and those those volume trends have been positive. So, I think that's certainly one of the good ideas that we've had, and some of the other stuff that I think uh, will be wonderful. I can't share with you today, but uh, we are, we are working on some stuff. <laughs> okay, that's great. In general terms, what's twenty twenty look like to you all? Like, what's what's next? Uh, gosh, we're just needing to start to kick off 2020 planning. Um, we're in the midst of a brand refresh that launches in July, uh, that we're very excited about. We've made, so really since I started in May last year when Nip retired. Um, and since then we've, we've converted our core lineup from bottles to cans. Uh, we've launched our IPA. Um, we have the brand refresh coming. We've evolved some of our seasonal lineup a little bit. So We've been pretty busy and focused really on this brand uh, refresh here in in, uh, in July and August, and we need to start thinking about 2020. But we're, we've we've also got some hurdles to worry about. <laughs> we've, we're having a good year so far, uh, so how do we how do we lap those? We've got some ideas, um, but trying to bring some new news, some freshness. But one thing I got to say is that our brewers. So we because we source all of our ingredients from Colorado. Malt is malt's um, pretty pretty good because there's some uh, small startup malting companies that uh, are helping us and being able to do some specialty malts for us and doing a great job, which is great. Um, but then on the hop side of things, a lot of the famous hops like your Simcoe's or your um, I don't know Mosaic and um, really the fruity citrusy ones are uh, we can't grow here. They're proprietary to those farmers on the northwest in the northwest. So we have a crayon box of about nine to ten different hops at any given time, which is limiting. So uh, it's amazing that we can brew everything from uh, a Pilsner to an Imperial Porter to an Amber Lager um, with that limited uh, crayon box, as we call it. But we are testing a couple hops that we're planting this year, new hops that I think will be great in new beers next year. So more to come in that space, but uh, it's, a, it's a very talented team that has experience on both the big side and now they take those learnings, apply it to the small side, and um, 2020 will be fun. David, thank you so much for your time today. Appreciate it. Thank you it. very much.